In the summer of 1983, Will Lee, the actor who played Mr. Hooper on Sesame Street, died. Now this pr presented some very difficult issues for uh, the producers of this children's show. Should they deal with the subject of death? And if so, how would they explain it to their 10 million viewers, most of whom were under the age of six? So, so they asked, well, what do we want the kids to know? Um, what can they absorb? And what might open up things that, that we can't answer? So childhood uh, development experts were brought in to, to advise them as how to deal with the subject of death on the show. And the experts said, don't, don't say that Mr. Hooper got sick and died because you don't die every time you get sick. Don't, don't say that Mr. Hooper was old because all children think their parents are old. Don't say that Mr. Hooper went to the hospital and died because people go to the hospital all the time. Avoid religious issues, they said. Don't say that Mr. Hooper went to heaven. So what did they say to do? They said, do um, acknowledge the reality that he is gone, that he won't be back, that, um, but that he will be missed. So they went out to produce the show. The show aired on Thanksgiving, probably so parents could watch it with their children. I don't know if maybe some of you remember seeing this or not. You can watch it on YouTube. Um, so as the segment begins, Big Bird walks onto the uh, camera and, and addresses and all the cast, the adult member cast, who are kind of sitting around a table. And he says, I just drew pictures of all my grown-up friends on Sesame Street, and I want to give them to you now. So he hands out all the sketches he had made of each of the members of the cast, and they are all ooing and eyeing over the likenesses there. And then he, he's left with one picture, the picture of Mr. Hooper. I can't wait to give it to him, Big Bird says. Say, where is he? I want to give it to him now. So one of the cast members says, Big Bird, don't, don't you remember? We told you. Mr. Hooper died. He's dead. Oh yeah, I remember, Big Bird said. Okay, well, I'll give it to him when he comes back. And then another cast member gets out of her chair and kind of puts her arm around Big Bird and says, Big Bird, Mr. Hooper is not coming back. Why not? Big Bird asks kind of innocently. Big Bird, she explains, when people die, they don't come back. Well, that's true, Big Bird. They don't come back. Unless they happen to be a friend of Jesus. Our text gives us a preview of Easter. Our text gives us a preview of resurrection. People coming back after they die. People who know Jesus. 
People who know Jesus are coming back, big bird. Let's get into our text. Our text begins with Jesus coming to a funeral for his friend. Now, he was late uh, to this funeral, but if anyone can be late to a funeral, it would be Jesus. And when he got there, there were a lot of people that had gathered there from Jerusalem. So there were a lot of witnesses for what was about to happen. And one of Jesus' friends, Martha, the sister of the deceased, comes running up to Jesus. Lord, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now it's interesting, it's, it's not one of the verses we're looking at, but in verse 32, her sister Mary says the exact same thing, the exact same quote. So no doubt, these two sisters had been probably saying that similar phrase, that similar thing, maybe many times over these last sad four days. And, and, and no doubt, they probably had felt from time to time some, some doubts in their friend's love for them. God, if only you had been here. If only you were here. Does that sound like something that has come out of your heart or your mouth before? Because we do this too. We have that same plea that Martha and Mary had, don't we? God, if only you had been here, if only you had you know, helped us do this, then you know, this could have happened. God, if you would have been here, this, this wouldn't happen to my spouse, to my child, to my parent, my grandmother. This wouldn't happen to my friend. I wouldn't have lost this job. I wouldn't have got this illness. This person wouldn't have died. Um, we wouldn't have lost this money. This bad thing would have happened. You name it. Right, we go on and on. If God, if only you would have been here and just made it work out right, wouldn't have happened. I think we can relate to these kind of thoughts that were on Martha's mind and her plea. And yet, there is still this glimmer of hope because her next words are, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. In other words, even restoring my dead brother to life. So, hope in the midst of despair. It's like the woman in this following story. Um, a man named Rule Howe grew up in the country with his parents. And when he was 15 years old, their house caught on fire and it burned to the ground. They escaped with nothing but the clothes on their back. They had no neighbors nearby to help at, at all, so he and his father had to walk uh, to a distant village to get supplies. As they returned from that journey, they saw something that Rule never forgot. As they returned, they saw his mother had set up lunch right in, beside the charred remains of what had used to be their house. She set up lunch on a burnt log and she placed a tin can, a tin cup of wildflowers right in the middle of that burnt log and the lunch she had laid out. Hope in the midst of tragedy. I mean, this is the Christian faith, isn't it? Hope in the midst of tragedy. She, she had hope. Um, 
she, had, she, didn't try, she wasn't trying to cover up the disaster behind her with flowers. Or she wasn't trying to pretend it didn't happen. But in the, in the middle of this gloomy scene, she had placed the symbol of hope. Okay, the house was gone. She wasn't changing that. The house was gone. But there was hope of rebuilding. There was hope of getting the supplies they needed and carrying on. There was hope for something better in the future. Martha had hope. But, but not hope that tried covering up the fact that her brother had just died or pretending that didn't happen. She had hope that in her time of grief that Jesus would help her, that Jesus would act for her. Hope doesn't cover up the tragedy that's happened. Hope doesn't cover up things that, that happen. Hope doesn't mean pretending that bad things don't happen. Hope doesn't mean as Christians we put on perma smile and just pretend like life is, is all hunky-dory when we're dealing with difficulties. Hope is a promise of something better to come. Martha had hope that something was going to happen because Jesus came, because Jesus was here. She had no idea exactly what Jesus had planned, but she had hope that something was going to happen. Your brother will rise again, Jesus said. And Martha answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. In other words, I believe in that, Jesus, but, but are we never to see him in life until then? In other words, that's not exactly what I was hinting at when I said that I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. The whole power to, to impart restore and maintain life resides in jesus we live with him in him through him because of him now right now and, and such life will never be taken away from us even that thing we call death even that temporary separation of body and soul won't even interrupt the new and everlasting life that jesus has given to us who believe in him we have life now and we have life forever. Jesus is not the I was. Jesus is not the I am going to be. Jesus is the I am in our lives. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say I am the resurrection or I am the life. He said both. I am the resurrection and the life. So if he's already dead, then I will raise him up. I am the resurrection. If he is not already dead, then he will never die. I am the life. Whether or not death has occurred doesn't concern Jesus. If, if he's already dead, then I am his resurrection. If he has not already died, then I am his life. Either way, he lives on, and so will we. He is our life now. And he also is, is our resurrection. 
do you believe this? Are his next words. Do you believe this? That was a huge question for Martha. It's a huge question for us. Do you believe this? That is the question. All of life hinges on that question. Do you believe that Jesus, the Son of God, is your Savior who has given you life now? Do you believe that one day Jesus will raise you from the dead to continue that life that you have with Him now forever? Friends, do you believe this? Martha did. Her answer is in verse 27. Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Death, death stinks, doesn't it? Any of you ever been to a bedside death vigil? Holding the hand of your, your loved one, praying that they wake up. Like, like the son at, at, the, at the bed of his father. Holding the, the, the bony hand that had so often held his own. Not wanting to let go, afraid that that might just allow this man he loved so dearly to pass away. So he stays there all night holding that hand, knowing that the end is only hours away. Or, or the, the young father who spent the night in the hospital waiting room. It was an emergency phone call that brought him there. Your son has been hit by, a, by an automobile. He has, he has serious head injuries. He's in surgery right now. The doctors are doing the best they can. My God, he thought. He's only five years old. You've been there, haven't you? Maybe, maybe someone you know is right now. Death stinks. Verse 38 says, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. It says, once more deeply moved. Jesus was greatly bothered, deeply moved. Once more, so he was the first time. The first time's earlier on in the text. And the first time he was deeply moved, he was greatly bothered by the sorrow of death. And this time, if you read the verse in front of it, verse 37, you'll see that Jesus was now greatly bothered. He was deeply moved because of the, his righteous frustration over people's unbelief in him. Because basically, as he's walking there to the, to the tomb, they're saying, well, couldn't this guy who opened eyes of the blind and who healed the sick, couldn't he have helped this man before he died? They were showing their unbelief in him. And now Jesus is bothered. He's deeply moved because of because he's frustrated with people's unbelief in him. And, and what is translated there, uh, deeply moved, if, if you really get into what the Hebrew was saying, very literally, it, it says that Jesus kind of grunted. Probably best translation is that he, he snorted. I don't know. <clears throat> Jesus snorts at unbelief. 
He, he grunts, he snorts at unbelief. He snorts at death. Jesus was sick and tired of death and how it tears at and, and troubles the whole human race. The, the pain it has caused over the years to this creation of people he loves. The, the sadness, the trials, the hardships that death has brought to these people that he created to live forever. Jesus was sick and tired of death and how it had caused us all of that trouble. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, by this time, there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. The King James Version says, by this time he stinketh. So you see, you see why it's a good thing that we update our English translations from time to time. Now, according to the Talmud, it was forbidden to open a grave once the stone had already pl been placed in front of it. So this would have meant that, um, that all of those people there would have been ceremonially unclean. Take away the stone. So then Martha, who, by the way, had just said, I know that God will give you whatever you ask, and I believe that you are the Son of God, now, all of a sudden, is worried about the smell of her dead brother. A momentary fluctuation in faith, would you not say? She had, this Martha. She hadn't lost hope. She, didn't, she hadn't changed her mind from what she said just moments ago. She hadn't lost her hope. But she was acting like it, wasn't she? Martha knew God would give Jesus whatever he asked. He, she knew he could raise the dead. She believed he was the Messiah, the Son of God, uh, the Savior of the world. She believed and knew all that stuff, but now it's, hey, no, don't take that away. My brother stinks. She hadn't given up hope, but she was acting as she had. Don't we do that? I know you believe in Jesus. I know you love Jesus. I know you believe that he rose from the dead and one day he's going to raise you from the dead. I know that you believe that you're going to live with him forever. But then, you know, why do we do some of the things we do? Why do we say some of the things we say? And I'm, especially those, those things where we're worried about something so minor, um, like the smell. We're worried about just something so trivial, like, like whether you know, God will you know, give, recoup, help us recoup that money we lost or that job or, or this relationship or, or whatever it is that's bugging us. Sometimes, um, yes, we haven't given up hope in Jesus as the resurrection, the life, but yet we say things, we do things, we think things that just that pretty much act like we have lost hope. And, and forget that if I believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life, if I believe that he can raise not only himself from the dead, but my brother from the dead, I'm not going to worry about the smell. I'm not going to worry about the little things. So you, just, you see that momentary fluctuation where her words did not match what obviously was in her heart. And I, I think we struggle with that too because we forget what our Lord has done. We forget what our Lord has planned for us. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? 
See, and Jesus is always helping his people when they have these little momentary fluctuations in faith. And he's always doing things that are going to help strengthen them, even these people that he was frustrated with and their unbelief. So then he prayed, and he was really praying for the benefit of all the people who were there. Not only so they could see the power of prayer, but so they could see that he indeed was sent from the Father and that he doesn't do anything apart from the Father. And that they had every reason to believe in him and be confident in this case. Now, if Jesus failed here, if, if Jesus failed at what he was about to do, then his very own claims to be the Son of God would have been discredited by all and with all. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Kind of like the loud voice in John chapter 5, verse 28, where it says, a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Also, kind of like the loud voice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, where it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. That's what dead people do when they hear the voice of Jesus. They come out. They come alive. Jesus, the Word, in whom is life, gave life with a Word. Now, imagine that one of your relatives is sick and you ask me to, to come and, and pray, but I didn't make it there until your loved one had already died. And you are a little upset and you say, if only you would have come and prayed a little earlier, maybe God would have heard. Maybe he would have been healed. Imagine I said, don't be afraid. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you believe this? Now you would call the men with the little white coats to come and haul me off to the loony bin. Because no human being in their right mind would say that. No religious leader would say that. Buddha never said that. Muhammad never said that. Confucius never said that. Jesus said that. Jesus insisted that death itself was not to be allowed to have the last word. Jesus was sick and tired of death. So he said, take away the stone. Lazarus, come out. And he did. And so will we. Do you believe this? Our last verse says, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in Him. Like Martha believed in Jesus, they believed in Jesus. Do you? He is our life. He is our our resurrection. He has given us life now. He has given us life forever. 
Do you believe this? Let his voice convince you. Let his power continue to remain in you, keeping your faith strong in that, keeping your faith away from those momentary fluctuations, um, helping your words, your thoughts, and your actions show what it is that you believe, that we have a living Savior, one who gives life, one who is the resurrection and the life, one who was sick and tired of death. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.